Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to Be On Air. I'm your host, Kaylee Marks. If you're an entrepreneur, coach, author, or have a brand and are trying to grow your business, or even if you just have a message to share, then this show is for you. We are sharing proven blueprints to amplify yourself, and we'll discuss every step of the podcaster's journey to give you the mindset, tools, and community that you need to launch and grow your own impactful podcasting platform so that you can be on air. Before we get into today's episode, if you haven't already, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the show, please consider sharing this podcast with someone who might benefit from it. Your support helps so much. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Beyond Air. I'm your host, Kaylee Marks, and today we're speaking with Nelson Jordan. Nelson is a conversion copywriter and a digital marker. He's also host of the Working From Home podcast, which I had the honor of helping to launch. And I'm really excited to have him here and to learn about his journey with you all. So first of all, welcome to the show, Nelson. It's great to have you. Thanks for making it. Hey, Kaylee. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, just to start, would you, would you share a little bit about what you're up to in the world so that my audience can get to know you a little bit? Yeah, no problem at all. Essentially, I'm a freelance conversion copywriter and digital marketer. So essentially what that means is people come to me when their companies need help with growth. They have particular targets that they need to hit, whether that's in terms of sales or leads or anything else, really. Um, And then I help them improve that either by focusing on their on-website copy so this is more like direct response copy than brand. And we can go into what that actually means later, of course. Um, and that can be anything from web pages, landing pages, lead magnets, email automations. And I'm quite fortunate that I have a, a kind of 10 to 11 years experience of digital marketing as a whole. So we can go into that as well. But as essentially over and above the normal copywriter, I use all of these strategies to kind of inform what part copy should play in the whole journey. That's so wonderful. And who do you who do you like specialize working with and and who who who's your sort of like your main audience or client niche that you that you like to work with? I, I would actually consider myself like an anti-specialist. Um, I made kind of a purposeful decision not to niche down. Um, some of the people that I really admire in the business world um, people like Jay Abraham have had such incredible success specifically because they've made the decision not to niche. One of the things that Jay is uh, probably best known for is being able to bring one principle that applies in an industry and almost transpose that and transplant that into a completely different industry that doesn't use that um, principle or theory at all to deliver great results. So I I firmly believe in that. I think there are things that um, like specific industry experts will be able to bring to the table that I'm not able to because I, you know, have so much experience in across many industries that I haven't had the time. But conversely, there'll also be things that these industry specialists will never have come across that I can bring to the table like it's almost second nature. So Although I started out in B2B, um, so I worked with a lot of heavy manufacturing, engineering, supply chain companies. I then moved to to B2C and I've worked with homeware, fashion, online dog training, photography, real estate, like everything you could could think of I've probably done at this point. I've worked for an agency. I've worked freelance. Um, So I think at this point I've worked at between 70 to 80 businesses to help them grow. So you can imagine kind of the the amount of industries there. The only uh, industry, funnily enough, that I haven't worked with, and I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week about, so I might be able to correct that soon, is healthcare. Um, Other than that, yeah, I've, I've probably done it. Wow, yeah. So it's, I, I really like that piece about um, finding principles that apply to multiple industries. And it sounds like that decision to not niche down has actually served you and given you a, a 
a variety of experiences that has only strengthened your your skill set and your ability to speak to a, a wide audience, and that, that's awesome. So, and you said Jay Abraham. I've I've heard of him multiple times. I have to check him out more in depth. Um, maybe we can get back to some of that stuff later. Uh, I also liked how you were making a distinction between direct response copywriting and what was the other. Uh, brand copywriting and brand copywriting. I would maybe like to touch on that, but before we do that, um, so your podcast, the Working from Home podcast, would you share a little bit about how you decided to start podcasting and the why behind that, and a little bit about your journey through the launch process with me and and what your experience was? Sure, of course. So uh, the reason I started the Working from Home podcast is because my wife and I have been living in Valencia in Spain, which is like on, on the Mediterranean for, for the last three years or so. Um, this summer, we made the decision to move back to the UK, um, you know, to, to Staffordshire, so kind of slap bang in the middle of the UK. And we're starting to think about, you know, having our own family. So we want to be around friends and family and you know build up that support system that that we'll need and I was really worried about it and my wife knows how worried about it I was she won't be surprised at all essentially in Valencia our flat was you know right in the middle of a very bustling busy city there was always something going on there's always some music um, there's always some some sort of uh, like dancing or festival and like the Spanish love their saints days, which are just like little holidays at, on a random like Tuesday or Wednesday. Everyone has the day off. There's always like dancing and drinking and, and just music and having fun. We were moving back to a tiny, tiny village that has like maximum 2000 people. and we weren't even going to be living in that village. We're living kind of further out on, on a small kind of um, housing estate. It's lovely here. The scenery is fantastic. Um, we live just a stone's throw away from a lake and, and, and a wonderful forest and woodland. So no complaints there. My only worry, I suppose, is that I'm somebody that kind of builds up their energy um, from other people. I like to be around people that get me thinking, um, people that I can have conversations with. And I saw a podcast as, from a selfish perspective, my way of keeping those connections and establishing new connections. So basically, I wanted to have interesting conversations with interesting people. Um, I'd been thinking about a podcast for years, but there were several things that that held me back from it. And we'll, we'll probably talk about those again in a minute, because I think they're really interesting. But I finally kind of made the decision to, to move forward. And I decided that the Working From Home podcast would be about people like me, basically, because they're the people that I know the best. It's people that are freelancers, online uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, remote workers, people with non-traditional jobs that, that mean that they don't necessarily go into a, a normal traditional office environment. And it can be an incredibly lonely thing to do. You know, it's, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. Um, you know, freelancing and working for yourself and owning your own business has tremendous upsides and I won't pretend that it doesn't. But some of the downsides are sometimes it feels quite isolating from a, from a work perspective. Now, if you can combine that with also moving to a, a very remote place, then suddenly you don't have the nine to five um, kind of ready-made uh, people to interact with that an office forces you to have. And especially because I came from an agency background where there were lots of other people my age with similar interests and we're all kind of figuring out this life thing and digital marketing together, I kind of find like, oh, I really need some sort of outlet, some sort of connection to the world. And the podcast is exactly that for me. I love that. It's such a, a great reason to start. So I'm hearing that the isolation of working, of owning your own business, that's a home-based business, plus coupled with moving to a remote village 
and being maybe, I don't know if you'd consider yourself an extrovert, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned like you get energy from speaking with other people and that was enough reason for you to want to start a podcast so you'd have this kind of momentum going with building connections, maintaining those connections. Uh, plus it seems like it plugs into your business since you're going to be interviewing people that are uh, in the same space as you, meaning like entrepreneurs that are working from home, they own their own business. Is that, is that pretty accurate? The only thing that I would probably push back ever so slightly is whether I would consider myself an extrovert or not. I think the whole kind of false dichotomy between extroversion and introversion is, is, is basically a myth. As with so many things, I think a lot of people are reluctant to accept that there's, there's shades of gray, right? They want to call you an extrovert or an introvert. There are only these two poles that you can be. You have to fit into these I, two boxes. <laughs> exactly. I largely disagree with most of those things. Um, yeah. The same from like a political perspective as well. I don't necessarily believe that there is like conservative and liberal and nothing, nothing in between. And you have to fit into these boxes and then you get into this ridiculous tribalism thing. Anyway, we're not going to go down. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. But. No, but I really appreciate your point about that because I, I agree. And I think that people could limit themselves thinking they're not an extrovert, but they're actually really good with people. They are energized by community, but maybe they don't achieve that through going out to huge social gatherings. Maybe they achieve that through podcasting, or maybe they achieve that through owning a business. Or, you know, I think we satisfy our need for connection, but that's something we all share as humans is we need connection, we need community. Precisely. I think as long as the label isn't holding you back in your own mind, call yourself whatever you want. You know, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't bother you too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you, you summed everything else up, up really nicely. Okay, so we're going back. You you moved to this remote village. You knew you wanted this sort of project to uh, be inspired, you know, inspire you or to build that connection with with your community. So then, what happened? And can you walk us through a little bit of like how you started? Don't be afraid to get technical because the show is for podcasters. So I want them to kind of go through that journey with you a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. So the first the first thing was to decide what I wanted the podcast to be about you know, what, what is the actual content going to be? And what I decided is because it was for, for people like me, um, because they're who I know the most and, you know, that's who I kind of care about from a professional perspective the most, I had to decide on the format um, as well as the audience. Uh, and I came down to this kind of interview format because I struggle to kind of come up with kind of topics from my mind in in quite a constant consistent way i'll have periods of unbelievable productivity followed by you know days where everything is a bit of a drag to do and i was quite conscious that if i wanted to be putting out consistent material each week which i believe it's necessary to do to run a successful podcast i was going to need um, help from additional people. And I thought the interview format was a great way to do that. So I decided, okay, well, I can interview people like me, but maybe there's another dimension that we could bring in there. So I also decided that as well as, you know, people with similar experiences where we would take more of a story-based approach to kind of understand how they'd got into the position they are, what they enjoy, the challenges that they faced, what they were looking forward to doing. We could also bring in a second group of people, that audience is experts. Now, the only condition that I have for the experts that come onto the show is that they're experts in some tangential field that can help the first group of people. You know, so we have everyone on from nutrition experts to remote working experts, productivity experts, um, you know, people to, to help with your, your sales, your mindset, all of that, whatever it is, there's so many kind of potential fields there. Just the, uh, the caveat is you have to be able to help these people, people like me in, in the first way. So once, once I had that, it was about then doing the research into what actually is entailed in creating a podcast you know, what is entailed in promoting and growing a podcast, because I wanted a clearer idea of 
whether I'd actually be able to manage it. I dug into kind of a lot of different resources online, um, a lot of blog posts, downloaded a lot of guides. Um, and it was very clear that there was so many different sides to it. Everything around the organization of, you know, booking guests and finding guests and doing the research and doing kind of discovery calls with them. There's like the technical recording side. So there's the audio for, for my show. Uh, I'm also going to be and have been recording them to be released later on YouTube. So there's also that visual element. There's the editing element. There's all these really complex bits. And the most kind of important thing that I found for me anyway, and I'd kind of recommend is understanding firstly, how much time you have um, and being very, very honest and kind of assuming that podcasts take more time than they actually do, um, than you think they might. And then it's about your ability whether you can do all of these pieces or you'll have to hire people to take care of those pieces for you or at least advise you on on those pieces. But then also for me, which I think a lot of people miss out, is whether you want to get good at some of these skills. So actually, although I, when I looked into the editing side, when I looked into everything that was involved there, it looked like something that if I put the time in, I'd be able to, to manage. You know, I wouldn't necessarily be the best, but I'd be able to to do it to a certain standard that everyone would think is good enough to listen to. However, I knew that it would be a steep learning curve and it would require a, a massive amount of, of time and, and resources and more than that kind of um, brain space, I suppose. You know, because I have so many other projects going on as well as the podcast. I've also got my professional work. So I was like, well, do I want to get good at editing in, in particular? Probably not. It's a skill that I'm not going to use for the rest of my work. I'm only going to be using it for, for this podcast project. So then you have to look at, well, what's your personal financial situation? Um, how much time do you have? And for me, the trade-off to pay somebody else to do it made perfect sense. Also, because I was thinking, well... Yeah, I probably could spend however many hours it would take to kind of master this or get it to at least a stage where it was suitable for, for listening. But does that make it less likely that I'm going to do the podcast at all? And for me, the answer was a resounding yes. I could genuinely see that if I had to be in charge of all of the booking, all of the, um, the discovery calls, the actual recording, the uploading of the podcast, the transcripts, all of these different pieces that I wanted to do to, to create the first ever podcast episode to a high standard, not just something that was just good enough. I thought if I was doing all that, that's going to be too much. I'm going to burn myself out. I'm going to end up hating it and it's not going to accomplish my goals, which ultimately... Firstly, uh, okay, hopefully it will impact the business that I run in, in a good way. But more than that, I genuinely do just want to ha like have really interesting conversations with interesting people. And if I'm doing all of this stuff on top of that, it's just not going to accomplish my goals. Wow. I love, uh, I love you walking us through your thought process. I think a lot of people are going to relate with this and especially this point about your time and its relationship to money and how you choose to invest your time and your money, and when it's a good decision to invest your money, and when it's a good uh, decision to invest your time. And I was hearing that you didn't want necessarily to become the world's best podcast editor. That wasn't in your, in your dream right now. you know. And so you, you needed to make some judgments about what would push your business and your goals forward. And it sounds like your main seed for starting your show was this conversation piece, this idea of connecting with people that you resonate with and that you want to um, get their expertise for your listeners and and you know enjoy a conversation with them. And so if there's all this other stuff on top of it, uh, it could even impact your ability to do the show long-term at all. And so I think that, that was a really gold piece. So what was the, what was the hardest part about starting, do you think? mindset, I guess. Um, so even before starting, I think the biggest thing is finally getting over myself. Uh, 
And I'll kind of explain what that means. So for the longest time, it's something that, although obviously I'm a very capable writer, I'm a very capable storyteller, but I do it for a living. I had been very, very reluctant to share my own experiences. Um, I didn't want to tell my own story. I'd been so focused on, you know, the last 10, 11 years helping companies, helping founders tell, tell their story. I'd kind of got lost in my own. There was a large part of me that doubted whether my story was worth telling, whether I actually had anything unique, anything different to share. I dealt with the same, same thing, this kind of imposter monster um, that's like out there constantly looking you in the face, in the mirror, telling you like, you're not unique. Nobody wants to hear from you. And I kind of hit the stage where I was like, well, I don't know if nobody wants to hear from me or not. Um, maybe I should actually say something and see what the response is. And it's the same, the same thing that I've taken like towards my website. Now, previously I would do very, very little writing for myself because most of the time I would say that person's already written about that or like that subject's already been covered or something like that without realizing that I perhaps had a unique perspective, um, on those things because of my experience. And it's, it's taken years And it has taken numerous people, definitely in the double digits, maybe like even the high double digits to say like, oh, you should really talk about that. Like, you know, your stuff about that, or that's so interesting. I've never heard it put that way or something like that. Um, Like just last week, I was helping somebody on a training call, uh, another copywriter. I was, I was training them up um, to teach them a little bit about search engine optimization and they said, like, you should make a product around this. And I might do, I might not. But I even said it on the call. I was like, yeah, like, I kind of just assumed that because I knew something really well, like everybody knew something. But she was like, this is all completely new information for me. I was like, really? Okay, that's, it's, it's incredibly basic for me. I don't have to think about it at all. And you kind of get into that trap of thinking like, yeah, like this is me. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And it's, it's just, just not true. I love that. The imposter monster. I like that term. I haven't heard that uh, put that exact way. I think it's backed in science too, as far as our brains go, that when we know something, um, it's almost not impossible, but practically to remember what it was like to not know it. And they tested this with kids. I won't be able to give the exact uh, example, but once you know something, your brain kind of overwrites everything as if you've already are always known it. So it's so important to remember this, that not everyone is you. Not everyone has gone through what you've gone through and seen what you've seen, learned what you've learned. And so you, each one of us has this uh, amazing, amazing repository of experiences and ideas to share with the world. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, it seems like over time you got enough feedback to go ahead and take this step forward. So was there anything in particular that pushed you forward and made it so that you were able to actually start this as opposed to just kind of thinking about it and not being sure? Yeah. I mean, the, like, just getting back to that mindset thing, I think it is incredibly important. At least it was for me is just the understanding that we're all at different places in the journey, right? And so if you think of, uh, and just incredibly simplified, if you think of a journey as having three parts, kind of a beginning, a middle, and an end, okay, maybe you can't, this end point, you know, is perhaps like the expert. And whereas this, the starting point is perhaps a beginner who is completely new to the field, whatever you're talking about. So maybe you're in the middle, okay? But maybe you can't necessarily teach the experts, the people who are almost at the end of their story, anything. But there's heaps of people that are behind you who are beginners, that actually you will have something to, to offer. Even if you've been in the field for six months, three months for that matter, you have stuff to teach the people who are just starting out right now. And you have stuff to teach the people who haven't yet started and are perhaps thinking about, you know, whatever that is. If you're, if it's copywriting, for example, they're perhaps thinking about um, moving into copywriting from a different field, or perhaps they're younger and thinking, oh, do I need to go to university or, or college or anything like that? Or is there a career that perhaps would suit me 
Um, and I don't have to go down that route. You, you have all of this knowledge that you can teach those people. So the, the mistake that I made was thinking, oh man, I need to be like a 40, 50 year old guy who has sold three companies and has reached early retirement before like my opinion is actually worth listening to. And it's just like a complete fallacy. Yeah, yeah. I I really resonate with this. And I'm glad that you're drawing attention to how important mindset is. Uh, and I love this story example of beginning, uh, middle and end, and how we can always help someone and we can always be helped by someone. And if we're of a growth mindset, then we're going to always be able to receive that help. So we'll be able to get experts who come on and kind of help lift us up. And we'll also be able to help beginners uh, and lift them up. And it's actually a very um, harmonious cycle. So I, I, I couldn't agree more with everything you're saying. It's making me wonder, how would you recommend podcasters looking to start their show or looking to improve their show? How would you recommend that they kind of think about their story and think about their talents? And maybe there's even some copywriting tricks or skills in here that could help them when it comes to kind of cementing this this podcast idea down. So how could, how could they take their story and their experiences? And is there anything from copywriting that we could use to kind of help crystallize uh, a podcast idea? Sure. So uh, the first thing that I found really, really helpful is to see what else is out there at the moment. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, what experts are recommending, um, stories about how they started um, what was involved. So you were actually able to find this, uh, this kind of source of information, this resource that gives you a better idea. It's never going to be able to give you a full idea. And it's definitely not going to be able to tell you what it's going to be like for you, but it's going to get you one step closer to understanding the reality. I mean, for, for me, what I found is that by and large, because I'd done that amount of research beforehand, a lot of what came as part and parcel of, of launching a podcast, I, I expected because I'd read like three or four or five guides about how to launch a podcast. And those guides exist. And I think they're a great starting point in terms of like how to improve your podcast um, and even to decide what sort of subjects you need to cover, whether that's at the beginning as you launch or how to improve it as you, you go along in terms of the content that people, people want. Basically, what I think a lot of people misunderstand or don't fully get the level that I'm talking about within copywriting is the amount of research that you do. The amount of customer research specifically that goes on, like I tell people that if I do my job well on a large project, for example, 60%, 70% maybe of my time is spent doing customer research. Like you think, because writing is in the title that you spend most of your time writing. Well, actually like the words necessarily, which almost sounds kind of very uh, heretical from copywriter, the words aren't so important. What is, is understanding what's going through your customers, your audience's head at any one time, what's led them up to this point, um, why they might be interested in your product. Same applies to the podcast, right? So you want to go out and talk to the people that the podcast is for. And if you're already a part of a community, then you're, you're probably further along than most people, which is great because you can literally call somebody up, hit them up on Slack, email them on LinkedIn, do whatever. Or, you know, if you're talking about a subject that's very close to your heart, you probably know people that have experienced similar things or um, are fans of the same things as you. So you have to think, how do I get in touch with these people? And how do I ask them the right questions to get helpful answers back? And that's probably where copywriting and digital marketing has put me a step ahead of other uh, podcast starters who don't have that background because I understand the value of talking to people and of getting feedback, of putting these feedback loops in place 
to understand what you're doing well, what people like, what they don't like, where you can change things. Um, so I think that's the tie-in there that copywriting has, the research process has with learning about how to improve your podcast. This is great advice and great insights. And I think what we're really doing is exchanging information, no matter how we cut it. We're either exchanging it through words, through speech, through images that evoke emotions. And what I'm hearing, it's the meaning that we're searching for. The words aren't as important as the end result. Like we want to build that that meaningful connection. So connecting our customer or our ideal listeners um, thoughts and their needs and their desires and their you know their goals. We want to build meaning for them. So we we interview people who are going to be giving value that connects in with that customer's meaning. And so it sounds like research is such an important part. And I couldn't agree more. The more we research our client, the more we research their problems, the more we research our guests and their background, and we're going to be able to build better episodes. So I think that was extremely valuable uh, feedback. Okay, just to, just so I can make that a little bit concrete, because I really just enjoy it when people give me kind of a range of different examples and I can go, oh yeah, that one applies to me. Yeah. So for me, obviously, I, I want to interview people that are similar to me because my goal through the whole podcast um, is to help people live happier, better lives. And the, the, the reason that I don't mention anything to do with like more money or anything like that is because actually that's not a lot of people's goals once they've got a, a certain amount of it. It's about the other reasons for working from home are like freedom mainly. So, and freedom can mean lots of different things and we don't necessarily need to go into that. But for me, I know that audience incredibly well because I am basically my own ideal customer. Say, for example, you want to record a podcast about films. Now, you can either do it on the films that you want to talk about specifically, or you can do it about the films that other people want to talk about specifically, like the films that are popular within a certain genre or subgenre at any one time. But you still need to understand, even within the films that you want to talk about, what the most interesting parts are. And really the only way to do that is either to release an episode and get purposeful feedback by asking people specific questions, or as I prefer to do, get the feedback through the questions before you've even recorded the, the episode so you can incorporate those, those specific things. And there's not really an excuse for, for not doing it because even if you don't like necessarily interacting with people, you're not sure that you've got the community there. If you do uh, have access to, to the internet, which I'm going to assume the listeners do because they're listeners to this podcast, then you can go on forums, you can go on competitors podcasts, you can look at Amazon reviews for books that cover the same subject. There's so many things, you know, you can go on Reddit, who will probably have like a subreddit on whatever it is you're talking about, because they've got a subreddit on everything. If you're recording um, a podcast or thinking about recording a podcast about American football, a subject that I know very little about, so this should be quite a funny example to use then how I would go about it as a copywriter is very similar to how you should go about it as a potential podcast host is by talking to the people. It's by understanding all of the different stories that are going on at any one time. It's understanding what's happening right now. It's understanding the principles that are at play and building out this list of potential topics um, and then refining those over time. Yes, this is such a great tip. So it's almost like searching, rather than trying to come up with the words and the problems and the topics ourselves. the listeners, the audience are already uh, telling us what they want to hear. So if we go into these locations, the Reddits, the forums, the Facebook groups, wherever, we can actually find out what people want to know, what their questions are, what their pain points are, what, you know, what their inspirations are. And we can get that, that information, those words, those phrases, and build our episodes kind of around that, build our guest lists around that. Is that right? Am I understanding correctly? Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be true for like 99.99% of like podcasts. The only podcast that I think is probably like an exception is something like The Portal, which you and I have talked about before with uh, with Eric Weinstein or Weinstein. I'm not very good at pronounce, pronouncing names, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric something. 
Um, and he's a fantastically bright guy. And with that sort of thing, I think the topics are firmly in, in his head. It's the things that really interest him. And he puts enough faith in his audience that they're similarly bright, intelligent people that they're going to be interested in whatever he talks about. But for like 99.99% of people, my, my podcast included, it's just going to be way more useful to find out actually what's going on right now, what people are talking about, and then just giving this, those same people your take on that particular topic. This is basically valid. It's like pre-validation. So rather than just guessing and hoping that it's going to land for the market, we're kind of getting pre-validation by going out organically and looking at what the community is saying and then building around it. And I think it's a really smart idea. So we don't put a ton of money into stuff that we, you know, it's okay if we want to just talk about what we want to talk about. And that's, and we're doing that, you know, with the knowledge that it could it could float or it could sink. But if we want a podcast that supports our business or at least resonates with our audience, it's not a bad idea to get some of that early validation from communities. And I think that's really smart. I mean, from a validation perspective, I think there's a couple of different types of validation and some of it is useful and and some of it's not and so and so on and so forth at different points of the journey. Although you shouldn't necessarily stop a podcast just because you don't get good feedback at the beginning. It does really help from a motivational point of view when people like take the time to email you, to message you, to say, oh, that podcast really landed with me. Um, Loved what so-and-so said about that. Or, you know, the thing that I heard most was firstly about the title, like working from home. Everyone was like, it's just super simple really applies. I think that's great. But then secondly, about the actual um, content I was proposing, and this was before I'd even recorded anything, the sort of like the type of content I was proposing, everyone's like, yeah, freelancing is only, only growing. Working from home, especially, you know, started recording during, during the whole COVID thing. And everyone was like, this is just going to go from like strength to strength. When you're getting stuff like that, ultimately it doesn't necessarily mean that your podcast is going to be a success, but like from an egotistical point of view, it really does help and does give you the motivation to, to start recording the next one. Ties into that imposter syndrome a little bit, helping buffer against that kind of giving us that reassurance. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about with you a little bit is your specific launch, because I feel like you did some things that are indicators of success. Uh, There were routes we chose to do based on evidence from, you know, uh, the, the top, top of the charts, podcaster, podcasting hosts and So would you feel comfortable talking a little bit about your specific launch strategy that we developed and and how that went? Sure. I mean, I'd like, uh, I'm going to be very open and say, despite being a digital marketer, like you very much led um, on the launch strategy and and had some kind of great tips. So I might start and then throw it back to you. (laughs) Yeah, please do. Please do. Um, But um, yeah, I think marketing involves some, like just common principles, no matter what, what you're doing, like first you need to grab somebody's attention, then you need to interest them. And there's all these frameworks around that, but there's some very specific ones that I wasn't aware of around podcasting before you and I kind of interacted. One of, one of the main things that we did um, was producing several episodes and publishing them within the first week. Now, as far as we've been able to kind of determine and what a lot of the top podcasters um, have recommended. Um, they all seem to say a very similar thing, which is a good indication that it might be true. Plus with this particular tactic, which I'll, I will talk, I'm not just teasing people, um, about in a second, it's that you don't lose anything by doing it. Um, so it's a really good one to do. So we released, um, three episodes in the first week, whereas a lot of people, um, will, just put the first episode out and kind of pray. The kind of rationale for this was twofold. Firstly, once we've taken the energy and people have taken the time, the potential audience have taken the time to find the podcast, whether that's clicking on a link, whether that's searching for it. If you only have one episode there, then one episode is all they can consume. 
And you have to remember we're in the sort of world where people like binging content these days. If they find something that they like, I know I do, definitely. If I find like, um, I'll tell you what, I found uh, Naval Ravikant's um, podcast yesterday. Although he does like really mini episodes for a lot of them, I've probably listened to like several hours worth, even though I've just found it. Um, I definitely wouldn't have stopped with just one episode. So I thought kind of in a similar way, you've taken the time to get people to there, whether that's like using ad spend or whether that's doing organic or word of mouth or just using your network, which is what I did. I didn't put any ad spend whatsoever. Um, then you want to give people multiple episodes. So people have the options to then say, episode one was great. I'm just going to go straight through to episode two. Like I'm on this car journey or whatever. I'm just going to keep listening or yeah, I'm still doing the watching up or the housework episode two, maybe even episode three. So we released uh, two episodes on a Tuesday and a further third episode on a Thursday. And when you have these sort of downloads, I think it looks to the algorithm at least, that you've got a certain momentum that you wouldn't have if you'd have just released one episode. Because suddenly, instead of you know getting 100, uh, 100 downloads on your first episode, you've got 100, and then maybe 50 of those carried on and listened to, to the second one. And then you kind of build on that and build and build. So we did Two on two on Tuesday, one on Thursday, and then the following week went to a, a one a week strategy released every Tuesday. And, so that and was, you recorded like twelve episodes before we even launched the first one. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think twelve, thirteen, something like that. Um, not necessarily all of those episodes were were edited, but they were all recorded, ready to go. Um, I was already pretty confident that the launch part of it was going to be the most time consuming because there are so many things that you're doing for the first time that you don't necessarily have a process for. So for me, um, because I've got a reasonable and a reasonably large network um, on social media, then I just use that network and combination of friends and family, just encourage them all kind of relentlessly to, to, um, go on and subscribe to the podcast to review it, whether that was just hitting the the five star button or or leaving kind of a written review, and then released um, the social media graphics with, along with copy to support that. And I did that both for myself for my own channels, but I also created the same things to give to to the guests so that they could share it. So we were also leveraging their network, and I think that is one of the reasons why people kind of want to go down this interview route for podcasts as well, because you're not just reliant on your own network to grow it. If you've got a different person on that you're interviewing every week and you do one a week for a year, that's 52 different networks that you've used on top of your own. And I think that's, that's really kind of key to the whole promotional um, success. Yeah, I want to talk about two points there because uh, I think you touched on some awesome tips here. So the first thing about recording more than you're going to release even in the first month, I think the benefit there is some people will record one episode and then they'll launch their podcast. Well, then it does two things. They're not going to see a huge number of downloads because let's put it this way, let's say 60 people, and you, you said this, if 60 people listen to that episode and there's no other episode, you're only going to get 60 downloads. If you have three episodes, those 60 people may not all listen to all three, but you're going to get a total number of downloads more, most likely, because people check it out. So on that first episode, when you look at your numbers, you're going to maybe feel a little disheartened unless you have a massive network. You're going to feel a little disheartened at those numbers, and that could uh, potentially be a roadblock for producing more episodes. So by just committing to about 10 to 12 episodes before launch, you're setting yourself up to you know come out the gate strong. You get to focus on promotion. You get to focus on just getting those episodes to be heard by as many people as possible. And you're sort of uh, just protecting yourself against that, like just burning out or not wanting to do anymore because it didn't go well. And then the second thing you mentioned is the guest network thing. 
And oftentimes, uh, when searching for podcast guests, you can even find people who actively describe what they will do for promotion when you're when you're vetting guests. So you can, and that can be part of your conversation. Is like, what is their network size? Are they going to do emails? Are they going to do social blasts? And as you grow as a podcast platform, you can have higher requirements for your guests for what they do. And like you said, just spreading your episodes across all these networks is such a huge huge accelerant for growth. So I think you, you know, in conjunction with your copywriting skills and your network that you had spent time building already, you backlogged a whole bunch of content. We had a solid release strategy, like you said, of doing those three that first week. We're consistently putting them out every week. And you built uh, media graphics, social media templates, and you gave those assets to your guests so that they could share. And um, you were able to see uh, way more downloads than a lot of new podcasters get in their first week. Even your trailer got a, a fair amount of downloads, which was su- uh, pleasantly surprising. Uh, so that was that was a really strong first month of your show. Yeah, I think the understanding kind of the the difference between inertia and and momentum is really really important because as much as we don't want to accept it, a lot of the times we're just emotional beings even though sometimes like I probably try and act a bit more like Spock than I perhaps should. Um, like we're not, yeah, exactly. Live long and prosper. Um, such a nerd. Um, anyway, you, you don't have this kind of like fully rational, um, part of you. No, nobody does. So if you, if you're putting out one episode, if you're like going to look at the numbers, um, and you're each time you're looking and you're saying like, oh, like that one only got this many downloads or that one only got like, that one only got like 50 downloads or something like that. Maybe I should stop. That's really going to hurt you. And by pre-recording these, like I had no choice. Those, those were already done. Um, like I've already paid for it. It doesn't matter if the next episode, the next three episodes do really badly. You know, I'm going to release all of them because I've already spent the energy, um, time and money resources doing it. Um, the other thing that, that I do personally, I, I mean, we had a, you sent me a message like last week or something to say that, um, the podcast was like top 180 in the UK for like entrepreneurship. And I kind of went, is that, is that good? <laughs> is that bad? How many, how many, how many are there? You know, that's, that kind of sounds good to me, but uh, like, ultimately I didn't care. Um, and like, I don't look at the numbers occasionally, like when I'm um, like uploading or moving like a transcript over, I'll see the numbers and I might just scroll down because I'm already like on, uh, on the specific analytics platform. But for me, because I know I'm going to be doing this for a long time, it really doesn't make a difference. Like if, if nobody downloads the next episode, it will be strange and probably indicate that something's something's broken somewhere. But it, like, it wouldn't stop me. It wouldn't stop me doing it because this is my plan to, to do this now. It's a long term plan. So what do I care? Like, it's the same way that I look at the Google Analytics for my website. Like, what do I care? How many people went on today, and whether that was more or less than yesterday? Like, and how many people does it take to give you value? Basis. Well, that's, that's it as well. Like for me, it depends what sort of value we're talking about, whether it's value in terms of making, um, a great new, either professional contact, um, that might expose me to, to like a larger network of the people that I want to be working with the businesses I want to be working with, whether that's like a professional contact and I, uh, sorry, a personal one. And I make a great new friend that I can have interesting conversations with, or whether it leads to an actual paying client. Like there's so many different ways and it's all kind of individual, how you want to measure value. You should just need to be very clear about like, what you want your podcast to accomplish for you and whether that's realistic. Like there, for me, I wouldn't recommend copywriters who just want to do a certain, um, a certain amount of revenue per month to use like podcasting as a, uh, a business building specific tool. Like 
if that's not your goal, you've got other goals as well, then fine, I definitely recommend it. But there are better ways of making immediate revenue than podcasts that, that just are for, for my particular industry, for digital marketers, for, for copywriters. You know, you'd, you're much better spending your time going and cold pitching, you know, 100 companies or however many you can fit in in the same time that it would take you to to do as many podcasts as, as I've done and will continue to do. That's not my reason for doing it. Like, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to cover costs from the clients that I bring in and probably make a little bit extra in the long term. Just not the goal for me. Like, I, I told you the reasons for doing it, which was when I moved to Valencia about kind of my interactions and pushing myself to grow and learn about new things and expose myself to, to new, um, to new kind of perspectives, which happens when you interview people. It can't help but happen. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I just, I love how every person is going to have a different reason, a different goal. And I think you, you, you shared some really important points, which is to know your values before you begin, know what you're expecting to get clear on that. Is this an investment in your business? Is this an investment in yourself? Is it both? Are you trying to just make revenue? Like you said, you could maybe spend that time uh, cold pitching to 100 companies and you would get more revenue quickly into your company. Uh, perhaps where podcasting would serve that kind of goal is turning cold leads into warm leads, right? And that's more of an investment in brand and brand authority. And it, it takes time. It's a slow simmer. So it depends where you are in your business and, and what you want to do. And of course, your industry, like you're saying. And I think that was just some excellent tips. And you know, we're as we're winding down here. I was hoping that maybe you would, you know, we're we're on the subject of launch and and copywriting. Maybe we could give the listeners just a couple copywriting nuggets or or gems for how to either craft like episode titles or their social media copy. Is there any like principles that you could share with us when we're thinking about how to uh, invite people to listen to our show and and get that conversion where they leave whatever platform they're on and come listen to the episode? Sure. So I, I think the, the number one thing to, that just applies across all platforms and all types of copywriting is that what you do for the person it should always be front of mind. And for lots of copywriters, then this is just known as like, um, like benefits over features, right? Because features is very internally looking. Like when a company says, we do this, this, and this, that is an example of a feature. But whereas a benefit is something like our product will do this for you. You know, you will get this out of it. Um, so it's a change of looking from things internally and looking externally. And so you always want to be thinking like, what would this do for, for my customer? What is the reason that they would choose my product or service? And the same is with a podcast, you know, when somebody is listening to a podcast, you are forcing them to choose between like listening to your podcast or perhaps listening to another podcast or perhaps doing something completely different that's not related. Um, so you're competing for somebody's attention more than anything else. So you need to tell them what they will get out of it. There's a mix between doing kind of quite benefit-led headlines, but also mixing in curiosity. And there's not really a simple way to, to, to do that. It's just about at, like having fun with it, writing down a few different headline titles, and then just testing them. And by that, I just mean putting one out that you're like, I'm pretty sure this one, this one is better than the others. And then the next week, again, writing three to five of headlines and then putting those out. I found like so far the, the how-to headlines do quite well. I've got an episode coming out in a few weeks with uh, Remington Cooney, who is a mindfulness and meditation coach. And I think that is called something like how to stay peaceful in a chaotic world or something like that. That's not the exact title, but it's pretty close. And so the, the positioning there is people are stressed, people are anxious. Um, the world is incredibly or feels incredibly unpredictable right now. Um, like the American elections are happening. Um, like COVID is, is fully still in swing. So 
this episode is potentially going to help those people basically find some semblance of peace in amongst turmoil. Now, not every episode will be that directly, um, like you won't necessarily be able to pull a benefit out of it, but then you have to find a different emotion. You have to be, uh, kind of pique people's curiosity. So is there something that you can write that is a little bit strange and people want to know, oh, what did, what did they mean by that? Like, I'm going to have to listen to find out. Can you do something that sounds really, really funny? Does your guest have a, a like a really big presence? Are people going to to listen to your podcast specifically because your guest? Then okay, maybe your guest's name should take pride of place. It really depends, but the key things are kind of like um, benefits over features, so that external rather than internal view of the world and what you can do for for your listeners. Um, but then just picking up like other emotions that you can perhaps tap into, whether that's um, like optimism, whether that's, you know, humor, whether that's um, like sadness or, or joy or, or whatever it might be. Um, there's lots of different ways to do it. The other thing is to incorporate something that's already well-known. So for example, there's a certain terminology or a certain kind of topic that's being talked about, even if it's not necessarily the main thing that you cover in the podcast, it might be the most the thing that's of most interest to draw people into that wider conversation. So say, for example, and this is going to be a bit of an English example, so I might try and broaden it after that, within football, our football, soccer to you guys, um, there's this been this big discussion about VAR, which is um, kind of like video analysis of whether goals happened or they didn't happen. And there's caused like a, a big divide. Um, that might just be something that you talk about kind of in passing within the episode, but you might know that actually, if you put that as the episode title or in the episode title somewhere, even though, you know, it's a fifth of the total conversation, that's going to draw people in to, to listen to those episodes. So I'll name this episode. Uh, you said VAR in and football <laughs> with Nelson Jordan. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, and then all of my friends will be like, "What? This guy hates football." <laughs> no, but you're abs- You're you're giving such gold here, and um, you know, in the show notes, we're going to break these t- uh, points out a little bit too. But I, I think that that was really valuable uh, insight and ideas for how to craft good titles, good copy for your social media. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to give the listeners a ton of value when they go to sit down. Yeah, thank you for that, Nelson. And one last question. Uh, I was wondering if you could hop in a time machine, because uh, those are probably coming pretty soon. Hop in a time machine and uh, go back to right before we met, right before you launched. What would you? What piece of advice would you give yourself for launching your podcast? I, I would, was pretty happy how mine, how mine went. And I think that was because of a lot of the preparation. But the biggest thing for me is finding experts who can guide you. Um, it's people like yourself, Kaylee, who have, who have already trodden this path before, who have helped multiple people launch um, and, and who just know all of the different things like parts and pieces and how they fit together and what you need to do at a certain time. It is something that if you try and do it on your own, you'll, you'll be able to get there, but you will make a ton of mistakes. And when you do something like a launch, you don't get the opportunity to redo it. Um, it happens one time. You can either get it right or, or, you know, you can make these mistakes and then wonder three or four months down the line, like, oh, was what I, messed up at the launch is that what's caused this kind of slow or lack of growth and the answer might be might be yes so for something as important like this i'd i'd encourage people to do as much research as possible if you get the opportunity to work with experts like kaylee definitely do so um it's it's well worth the investment it's awesome feedback and and great tips i i also get experts and guides whenever I'm embarking on a new, a new project or something that I don't have uh, experience going through. So 
Thanks for saying that, Nelson. And how how can people find you? How can people work with you? Are you taking new projects right now? Um, Obviously, everyone can tune into the Working From Home podcast on all platforms, but what's a good way that people can get in touch? Sure. Um, the top ways are probably either visiting my website um, and filling in a contact uh, contact us form or a, a copywriting discovery call, which is 30 minutes where we kind of analyze exactly what you need doing and I give my recommendations. So my website is nelson-jordan.com or if you use like dashes instead of hyphens, it's nelson-jordan.com um, or just hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, it's just, just Nelson Jordan. I look like this. You know, if you're if you're watching if you're watching the video, you'll find me. So Nelson Jordan, conversion copywriter, um, and just let me know exactly what you have in mind, and I'll, I'll basically provide my recommendations about how I might best be able to help. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think every podcaster, every business could benefit from having some copywriting consultation or at least some education uh, to improve conversion, but also to improve their messaging and how they are connecting with audience. And um, you're definitely uh, a wonderful person in this space. So thank you again so much, Nelson, for your time, for joining me on this episode. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you put out next. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Beyond Air. I hope you enjoyed it and are now one step closer to turning on your microphone and broadcasting your message to the world. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know how I can help you on your broadcasting journey by getting in touch with me and maybe even apply for a strategy session if you want to discuss your podcast idea. You can reach me at www.podcast-farm.com. Until next time, my friends, I'm Kaylee Marks, and thanks for tuning in to Be On Air.